DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, Aaron, we had you on to find out what you think about the Jazz. No, we didn't. Um, but it seems like that's the only thing we're talking about right now because watched, they are. I watched last night. It was fun, it was fun <laughs> man. In fact, I've been watching them a lot. It's well, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, they they are crushing it. No, we did have you on to talk BYU football, and uh, you are now the offensive coordinator. You've been the offensive coordinator before, uh, but now Jeff Grimes has moved on, so you are in charge of the Cougar offense. And there's so many questions. There's so many transitions to be made here. I guess uh, number one, what do you take from this past year and think we've got to hold on to X, whatever X is. And some of the personnel is changing. Obviously, the quarterback is. But this one thing we are going to hold on to, we have to make this part of our identity. It really works for us. Yeah, our identity was huge. We want to, we want to keep it. And that, that identity was that you know, we're, a physical, we're a physical team that can throw the ball down the field. And that's, that is the most important thing that we need to maintain. And uh, that's, that was a great first question, really, because that's all we've been talking about and it's funny, uh, several of our players, offensive linemen in particular, approached me as we were uh, trying to hire an offensive line coach and had a, several of those guys say, whatever you do, let's make sure that with this hire that we maintain that identity. It was important to them. They, they, the guys get it. Grimey did a good job of pounding that into their heads about we're a physical team, we're, we're reliable guys, and we can throw the ball down the field in time. And so... That's what that's what we want to maintain, and, and the way that we present that from week to week can change a little bit. But um, that, that 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 identity has to has to you know continue. So usually, uh, a particular coordinator on his side of the ball, he has a significant say in who's being hired to coach under him, basically. And there's some type of connection. What was the connection with this guy here, Funk, that you brought in to bring him aboard at BYU? Uh, so I didn't actually know him, which you're right, is rare. Most of the time, hires like this, you're hiring somebody you know at least a little bit. Um, I didn't actually know Coach Funk, but I had coached against him at three different schools. So he, he was the offensive line coach for Sonny Lubick at Colorado State, and we coached against them a couple times in my early days at Utah. And then he was Brady Hoke's O-line coach at San Diego State. So coached against him there a couple more times, and then also coached against him at Michigan when we when we uh, when I was at Utah. We played Michigan a couple times, and he was he was Brady Hoke's O line coach there as well. And so I just from coaching against him over the years and seeing his teams play, I was just always impressed with the physicality that they played with and the toughness that they showed. And of course, the respect I have for Sonny Lubick and Brady Hoke. I know those guys are. They're going to have good, good old line coaches, uh, and then just a bunch of recommendations about, about Coach Funk from from number of people that I knew from the profession uh, and that Kalani knew as well. There's just just too many to name. A lot of lot of people called about him and his behalf, and and then uh, spent a good oh shoot, it was probably three weeks getting to know him and just. Um, all the hours added up. I don't know how many hours added up of getting to know him and just felt really comfortable with him and his background that he'd be a good fit here. So you and Kalani obviously both coached at the U, so you had Kyle Whittingham saying the same things over and over, the same things he says to the media over and over. Position coaches have got to recruit, so it's good that you've seen 
his team's playing, you know how he coaches them up. But as far as a part of the country he can recruit in, contacts, his ability to recruit, what about that end of the equation? Because I, I can't imagine after working for Kyle that long that you ignored that part of the equation. Yeah, you're right. And he's, he's uh, such an experienced guy. He's recruited just about everywhere. Uh, he's a veteran coach. I mean, his, his, uh, his resume is pretty extensive. And uh, he's, he's very familiar with he's – from, he's from Colorado originally, but uh, Coach Funk has recruited – uh, very effectively in all over Texas. Um, obviously, he knows California really well in Arizona, you know, mo- all the western states. And uh, in Texas, I think he has a chance to pick up where, you know, where, kind of where we left off with Grimey and Eric Mateos both having Texas uh, connections. So, um, but yeah, he's a good recruiter and um, has a, has, you know, a big part of recruiting too is just being able to say, I've coached these guys. Look at my look at all these players I coach. Look how many of these guys are in the NFL. He's got a long list of offensive linemen in the NFL or that have played in the NFL. And so I think that alone says a lot. You know that gives you credibility anywhere when you go when you go recruit a player. So from the fan and media perspective, spring ball takes on a whole nother level of interest when there is a quarterback competition, and you guys have that obviously. So we're going to yeah, be wondering too. who's <laughs> <laughs> okay this year, including you, you too. And yeah. so you've got uh, opportunity to work with these guys to figure out who it's going to be. And all of us are going to be looking at who's going to take the first snap. Now, I don't know necessarily that that's a big deal, but what is your plan of attack for the quarterback position going into spring ball? Well, it, first of all, it's going to be a challenge because it's hard to get enough reps. You know, for there's a finite number of plays in every practice, and so it, it, if you spread it around too much, then it's hard to find out anything about anyone. And so, but um, but I kind of have to do that because we've got some good players in the room. So we're going to have to. It's going to have to be a, a body of work that builds slowly. You know, over time, and so you know, people are going to want answers after the first practice, how they look today or the fifth practice even. And it's, it's probably going to take a, a little bit of time to get each, have each guy build enough reps up with the first or second team offense um, where we can actually start, you know, maybe ranking them or making a decision. So early on, there won't be, you know, much of a ranking. Um, I, I think that Jaron and Baylor have both played in games for us and both, both played well in games for us. So I would just, I would probably, you know, say the first few days, I would see those two guys probably getting the first crack at some things. But we have a uh, um, Jacob Conover and Soljay Mayava as well, who who are really good players and deserve an opportunity. So that's, it's going to take a little time to sort it out. But um, you know, I've been through these things before, and they usually you can usually tell in time like who who deserves to get the first shot at it. You know, and then. And then doing it in a game and sustaining that is is the second part. But the first part's just going to be putting those guys out there, and in, in, you know, and the order the order that they go in will probably change from day to day, and the situations we put them in will change from day to day. They won't always be out there with the same lineup, or you know, the, the drills change situationally each day. So one day might be a two minute emphasis, another day might be a red zone emphasis, and just see how the guys react to those situations, and then. Like I said, it, over time you start 
getting enough uh, large enough body of work that you can start making some fair judgments. Aaron Roderick joined us, BYU offensive coordinator. So we've got one signing day, then we got a second signing day that's a little more on the ho-hum side of things. But then the transfer portal, it never ends. Our producer <laughs> Jake Hatch, a.k.a. Yeah. Yock, is always updating us on the transfer portal and who's in and who's out. How many scholarships have, and I know, I know this is kind of a Kalani-level decision too, and you, yeah. you probably have some input, but how many scholarships are the Cougars holding back? There must be some kind of formula, kind of an idea, we need old two or four or whatever the number is. And what positions are you thinking, if we see somebody here, that's kind of what we're looking at, let's see if somebody pops up. What are you thinking? Well, I think we always keep one, or Kalani always keeps one or two spots open, or at least tries to. Um, the the transfer portal is not quite as big And I think we need a couple of obvious reasons. One is just the honor code thing is not for everyone. And so that that alone whittles down the pool a little bit. And then uh, our academics are pretty tough. The grad school situation here is not, not easy to get into grad school. And so... Um, we, it's not as simple for us as just looking at the portal and saying, "Oh, this guy's really good, and that guy's really good," and this, you know, we can't just do that. So we have to like actually know something about each one of those guys and know how how much of a chance do they have to get in here and and fit in here and all that stuff. That being said, like Tyson, no, everybody knows Tyson had a huge impact on our team two years ago. So anytime we have a chance at a guy like that, we're not going to pass up pass him up. And so we are actively uh you know watching the portal but i don't think you'll see you're not going to see like you know a great number of guys in and out every year with us as, as maybe maybe as, it's not as easy as it can be at other places and um but it's it's a factor for sure and then the, the answer the other part of your question is we're sort of always looking for uh those difference maker guys that, that play positions that maybe um you know that let's be honest that, that aren't as easy for us to recruit so like we you know we we should never have a shortage of big offensive linemen here we should never have a shortage of tight ends here um you know and then but shoot if you get a chance to find a corner that can play that can get into school here and or a, you know a big time playmaker of some kind then you got to take your shot and so we will always be aware of those guys but i don't think it's going to be as big of a factor at byu ever as it is at some places so what did conover do during this past season when he was on the team but didn't play that would allow him to compete for the starting job this season um i'm glad you asked that so he was not supposed to join us until January, like last month right um but Due to the pandemic, he came home from his mission early, and we had a we had a spot for him on the roster in fall camp, and so he joined us in the fall. He actually got there late. I mean, he, I think he got there a week into school had already started, or maybe uh, I can't even remember. It was late though, and um, so it took a couple minutes, a couple weeks getting acclimated, and then he he just went over and started playing scout team quarterback and. He was uh, playing against our defense every day, and trying he and trying to you know run the other team's offense, and um, he just embraced the heck out of it. I mean, he he played the role every week. He was literally trying to be the other team's guy, that that other team's quarterback, trying to 
run their offense and he's a he's a really good leader and took a lot of pride in it and running the scout team and uh every day i would every week i guess not every day every week i would get a comment from one of the defensive coaches about something good that he did over there or hey watch clip number 24 of team today this you got to see this throw he made or stuff like that it was so it was really cool to see him um but the, the positive was he was able to be in all of our quarterback meetings and traveled with the team for most of the games. So he learned the whole offense already and knows all, you know, knows everything that we're doing. And so now his starting point right now going into spring ball, he's way ahead of where he would have been had he just joined us in January. So the reason why I brought his name up from the start is he's, he's mentally at a point where he should be able to compete with those veteran guys and, um, had he had he just gotten here in January, I probably wouldn't be quite as uh, eager about saying that. But I I think he'll he's a good player and won a lot of games in high school, and I think he'll be able to compete well and make this thing interesting. Aaron Rod uh, Aaron Roderick, join us right here, BYU offensive coordinator. Uh, as you look at the schedule this year, you're playing three Pac-12 schools the first three weeks, and a lot of teams will, you know, get ahead on the scouting for that first quarter of the season. But the Pac-12 played so little football. I'm wondering how much you expect that they basically are going to have two new recruiting classes to kind of discover, and how much that's an X factor in prepping for them. Yeah, you're right. It's that's a strange deal because we have watched all those games already of those teams, and you know, in, in Arizona's case, it's a whole new staff. So we're watching them just really learning who their players are, and then the defensive scheme. We're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're learning we're learning the scheme from Michigan film, and we're learning the players from Arizona film. But there's not a lot to go on there. And then, you know, of course, the other Pac-12 teams as well just didn't play that many games. And so you can you, you, you judge what you can from it. And you also, in the back of your mind, you, you kind of know, like, I think, I think some of those, I don't want to, I can't speak for any Pac-12 teams, but I think some of those teams actually treated it a little bit like a like an exhibition season, like, hey, let's develop players, let's find out about these guys and, and be ready for next year. You kind of get that feel as you watch some of the games. Um, it felt to me like some of the teams in the Pac-12 were subbing more than they normally would sub if the game was, if it was a, you know, a, a game where you're playing for a Pac-12, you know, your, your Pac-12 championship or whatever. It felt that way. I, mean, I can't say that for sure, but it seemed, sure seemed like all the teams I watched in the Pac-12 were playing a lot of different players and subbing and, and, and getting a lot of different combinations of players on the field. And um, I, I could be wrong about that, but it, it appeared that way. And so um, but there were, there's enough there. There's, there's enough good stuff to, to go by, and we'll, we'll have a good plan for those teams. And most of them will get a game or two on them next year as well. So other than Arizona, you get at least one or two games on these other guys. So so I want to ask you about Baylor, Romney, and Jaron Hall. Uh, first, speak about Hall as far as his health. Is he healthy? And then, uh, listening to you, even though Romney was number two last year, that doesn't automatically mean he's number one this year. Is that accurate? Um, yeah. So, first of all, about Jaron, he is healthy. Um, and he's been doing everything with the team. He's running full speed. Doing all the team workouts, he's throwing with the 
receivers and tight ends. Um, and and he's feeling good, and that's that's good. And he's decided not to play baseball this spring, which um, you know I, I always was very supportive of him playing baseball. I mean, I, I love baseball, um, but it did take a toll on him. It was it's uh, I think that is underestimated how much how taxing that was on his health and going back and forth and just the workouts with both teams and the practices and he would he would literally run from spring practice straight over to baseball and you're talking about six hour days seven hour days just a bit football and baseball not to mention his academics and stuff so um i think he's gonna benefit this year from focusing on one sport even though i think in the past baseball made him a better football player this is a good time for him to get healthy uh and then baylor yeah he was number two last year and there's no guarantees that that means he's number one, but Baylor's a good player. And I have not forgotten, and nobody's forgotten in our building that we've won some big games with him. And that he, you know, it's easy to overlook him because he's just a, kind of an unassuming guy, but um, nothing really rattles him. And this this situation won't rattle him either. He'll He's a steady guy, and he'll go out there and, and play well every day. And he's... he's um, a really competitive kid and he's an accurate thrower so he does have a great chance to be our QB but um the answer to your question though is no there's no guarantees um just because he was number two last year we're going to let everybody let everybody compete and um but Baylor did you know another overlooked thing was he did play well for us last year in the games he got in some you know a lot of times we were up and stuff but shoot he'd come in and we'd just keep rolling along and so We've got some good players to, to work with. It's going to be a really tough tough job for me. BYU offense coordinator Aaron Roderick joining us. Uh, always curious if there's someone outside the program who's going to parachute in right away and become an impact guy. People may not know his name now, but by game two, three, or four, they're absolutely going to know his name. And, of course, in the case of BYU, you have so many return missionaries, but also any recruits or transfers, somebody off the radar who's going to make an immediate impact. Well, uh Dallin Holker comes home from his mission in a couple months, and he had some big games. He played really well, and, and he played well in the big games. I mean, he played well against Wisconsin. He played well against Utah. Just really, uh, not, he, he was not afraid of the moment. As a, as a true freshman, showed a lot of ability. to get him back. And we're pretty deep at tight end, but. He's a he's a really good player and uh, and already so he would be one that would kind of be easy to forget about. He's been away for two years, and then uh, there's a kid named Chase Roberts that's a wide receiver from American Fork that has not played for us yet. So I don't want to put too high expectations on him. Uh, he's coming home shortly here too in a month or two, um, and uh, yeah, he hasn't played at all, and I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. But he was a guy that uh, was recruited by a lot of people, Pac-12 schools, and we were at the time when we got him, we felt really fortunate. Like, okay, this is it's the time when we got him. The program was a little down, and he was a big, big gut. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know what his impact will be this season, but I know he's he's got a really bright future and a really, really high ceiling. He's a big, fast guy that, and like I said, was recruited by a lot of people, and so. Can't wait to see what happens with him in the future. Well, I don't know that I expect the same type of season as last year, this upcoming season, but something is terribly wrong if you don't win at least 10 games. (laughs) 
hey, man, I've been hearing that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well, uh, well played, Aaron. <laughs> All yeah. right, Aaron Roderick, BYU Offensive Coordinator. Aaron, we appreciate a few minutes in the offseason. Thanks for joining us, and we're all looking forward to spring ball. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. <laughs> He's been hearing that for a long time, PK. I, was, I think there were multiple layers of comedy there if you really dig into that. <laughs> uh, yes, I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Might have been a subtle reference to his Utah days. <laughs> all sorts of uh, back what was it? Uh, I don't know. Backroom conversations over the years about a lot of different things, a lot of different people, and <laughs> and you've been around as long as we have. You hear stuff, people yeah. tell you stuff, and that uh, it's part of the business. Though I think the good thing about Aaron Roderick is he has a full realization of what this business is about and uh, of of rolling with it and overcoming things because. You know, you're doing things that that should be rewarded, but yet they're viewed differently, and it's a stressful business and all this stuff. High reward, high pressure. And I think the good thing about him is he understands all of that. DJ and PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Everything you missed in this show coming up next.